You know, I was <coughs> reading the, the story of William Tyndale. Maybe you've heard of him. He was the first individual to take the Hebrew and translate it into English and take the Greek and translate it into English. And so he formed their, the very first translation from the original languages into English. Well, this is a great thing. This was, it, was, it was a thing that was bound to help a lot of people. But at the time, the, the church didn't see it that way. At the time, the church sort of pushed back a little bit and felt a little bit threatened and even uh, threatened William Tyndale's life. Uh, but William, having translated this, understood the scripture and such, and so he kept putting out different papers. And one of the, the next paper he put out was explaining how that the church uh, or the, the, the king should be over the country and not the pope at the time. Uh, because he saw the hand of the king is in God's, or the heart of the king is in God's hands. And so he put that out. Now, of course, that really upset the church even more, but uh, the, the, the kings around the world loved it. <laughs> they just thought this was, this was amazing, and especially uh, Henry VIII in England. And so he invited him and said, come on, you can come over here. It's all good. It's all safe in England. So he goes to England. Uh, and everything was great. Of course, then he puts out another paper because once you know the, the Word of God, you know the whole Word of God. <laughs> so he puts out a second uh, paper, and this paper was, uh, you cannot just annul marriages because you want to marry someone else. That's not, that's not good. Because that's exactly what Henry VIII was doing. So Henry VIII was furious at him and would try to kill him, so he flees to another area. Unfortunately, this area was in... Um, uh, it's, it's a, it was at the time called the Flemish area, and it was very Catholic. And so he ended up being arrested, thrown in prison for a year. At the end of the year, he was tried for heresy. He was hung till he was, uh, till he was dead, and then his body was burned. And you think, wow, that's a tough story. <laughs> that's a tough story if you, if you, if you look at, at all that. You see, but it, it, it portrays, uh, it gives us a picture of the story that I want to talk about this morning that it moves from the body of work, which was the Bible that he wrote, to most certainly blood that he had to give, to betrayal, which comes from uh, the, 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 both the church betraying him as well as the king that he thought he could trust betraying him. But it always leads to, it always ends with breakthrough. Now, you look at that story and you think, whoa, there was not much breakthrough there <laughs> because we, you see this and it this ended really bad, except... The reason, what we have today, the translations we have today, all come and all began with William Tyndale stepping up and was willing to trust God and what he had laid on his heart. And so that, the, in fact, the King James Version, when it was actually written the first time, used 70 to 80% of William Tyndale's translation. Most of it was his. So, and all the translations we have today comes from, so when you're reading the Word and, there's, and, you, and you understand it, and whatever version you're using now, you've got to understand that, that came because of body, because of blood, because of betrayal, and because of great breakthrough. So that's the title that I want to use this morning, except it's not really a title for my message. It's more like a map. It's more like a, a journey that I want us to all go on this morning to understand, really, what does it mean to take communion? What, is, what, is it, what does the communion elements, the bread and the body, what does that mean? 
Jesus said that do this in remembrance of me. And so the question is, what are you remembering? What is it that you're focusing on? We understand that, uh, that there is Easter, and Easter, we're, we're looking forward to that. Right now, we're, we're moving toward that incredible celebration of Easter and the cross and everything God did with the resurrection. But all of that ends with the breakout. It always ends with breakthrough because the tomb was destroyed, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus came out. That is exciting. That is something we could be excited about, that God is doing something, that God is able to do something, that God is able to, to, to move. So that's what we need to understand is the deeper uh, understanding of what uh, communion is really all about and understanding the joy that we have because even though we're in the body and even though we're in the, we go through the blood and even though we have to travel through what is betrayal and we go, I, I don't want to deal with betrayal. And that is the issue sometimes. So let's, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Michael, scroll up just a little bit for me here. Uh, one more. So let's find out where we're going to go. Because you see, as we begin this journey, I want to I sort of go back <laughs> a little bit further than you would think. I want to start with David. So David was anointed king. He was supposed to be the king. God said, you're going to be the king. And yet, David finds himself running from Saul, who is the king, who wants to kill him because God anointed David to be king. <laughs> it's not a good situation. And David's on the run. He's been promised the kingdom, and yet he, he, there's nothing there. And as, as he is on the run, him and his men, they're hungry, they're tired. And there's this incredible story where David goes to the priest. And he goes to Amalek, and, and he says, he says, uh, Give me some food. My men are starving. I'm hungry. We haven't had anything to eat for days. And Amalek says, all I have is the, uh, the showbread, the, 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 presence, the bread of presence. Now, what would happen is the priest would make these loaves, 12 loaves of bread, and they would sit just outside the Holy of Holies, and they represented the presence of God. They represented who God was. The bread always represented the presence of God. So when you think back about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life, you begin to understand the, the full picture. And so he said, I can't give this to you. This is, this is holy bread. And David said, but there is great need. And so he gave him at great cost to himself the bread, the body, the presence of God. He gave it to David. Well, at that time, there was someone that was with Amalek who was uh, uh, the, the priest who was in a sort of a, maybe a, a spiritual retreat or something. And he saw this, and he goes, and he runs to Saul, and he says, I know where David is. You've been chasing him, but I can tell you where he is. So he told on Amalek, who he was spending time with. And the king sent an army, and they not only killed Amalek, but they killed his entire family, and they wiped out the town that he was in. A lot of betrayal. A lot of, lot of blood. And you would think, okay, here we are again with the body being broken with blood and with betrayal. And you say, where's the breakthrough in this story? How does God break through in this difficult situation? Well, there was one son that escaped, one son of Amalek that escaped. But not only did he escape with his life, but he took the ephod. Now, the ephod was a, a garment that the priests wore that had jewels on it. And, and when a king 
or uh, someone would, in, would intercede and ask God, he would do that in front of the priest, in front of these jewels, which represents the presence of God, and God would answer. And so he shows up, and so David makes him the priest, and then we find many times later on when David says, I don't know what to do. I, I need to hear from God. I don't know how to, how to answer this. What happens was is that, is that he goes to the priest, and he has the answers because of this incredible breakthrough, because of this. Now you think, well, that still doesn't sound like much of a breakthrough. Even though he heard from God, even though he was able to get answers from God, how, how, uh, it, which never would have happened if all this hadn't happened. So you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if that's really breakthrough, but I'll show it to you. Because in Psalms 52, this entire Psalms was written by David from this occurrence. It was written by David from this betrayal. And in verse 6, I love, I love verse 6, and I'm going to read it to you in the message version because it just says it so well. It says, God's people will watch and worship. They will laugh in relief at the trial that's in front of them, at the persecution that's in front of them, at the persecutor that's in front of them. And you see, I think that's what we need to understand is that God always wants to take us, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're struggling with, no matter how difficult it is, God will always take us to the breakthrough. Even though it seems like we've been promised that and we're running around in the desert and there's no answer. God will always bring us the answer. God will always do that. God will always bring us a breakthrough. So much so that we will laugh at the enemy. We will laugh at our occurrence. We will laugh at the, even what we seemingly seems like an overwhelming pain or disappointment or setback or, or tragedy or hardship or whatever. We will laugh at all that. So this morning, I want us to take an understanding of our communion journey, of understanding what communion is really all about, and look at the story of the body that was broken for you and I, the blood that was shed. But all that always leads to betrayal. But eventually, it will lead to breakthrough. <laughs> and that's the amazing thing about it. You know, today, we, we take communion, we take the elements of the uh, the sacrament of the body and the, the blood, the cup, the bread. We do it pretty easily. We do it as often as we do here. We do it, as, as, it, it not every week because I want it to be a significant moment. But as we do that, as we, as we take that, it's, an, it's, an, it's a thing that we accept. Yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. But you know, it always wasn't that way. The very first time, in fact, Jesus taught about communion, talked about the body and the blood, it was a hard thing. It was really, really hard. In fact, it says in John uh, chapter 6, verse 60, it says that many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can do this? <laughs> this is too hard. The very thing that we just take on tonight, you know, we're going we're gonna to be able to rejoice with God. We're going to be able to take communion together as a church, as a body. And if you're watching online, I, I know that God will bless you as well. Then get a cup, get, get some bread, take it together with us. Because it's about the meaning that's there. If we, if we look at all of that, we, it seems like a simple thing, but it wasn't at first. It was a really hard thing. It was a really difficult thing. I want us, I want us to look at the, uh, as we move on on this journey, I want us to stop at landmarks. When I was searching uh, for started travel a lot. I went to different places, and I hated carrying the camera. But, you know, if you don't take a picture, you don't get to, you know. Nowadays, it's just like, you know, it's glued to our hands, right? But back in those days, it was, they were big and cumbersome, or 
And I remember my first one was on a little disc. It has this little disc. Those, those last a long time. Wow. And so, but I did something that I, I don't know, I just, I remember the first time I was in Israel, the first trip I really took overseas. And I said, I'm going to take a picture in my mind. And I was very deliberate. I went there and I said, okay, I'm going to remember this picture. This is a mental picture that I'm taking. I'm going to remember the scene. I'm going to remember what it looks like. I'm going to stop and think and plant this picture in my mind. And to this day, in every one of those occurrences, except the ones I forgot, in every one of those occurrences, I can see those pictures. I remember staying, standing on the Mount of Olives. I know what it looks like. You can't, but I, it's in me. I can't share the picture except telling the story. So I want us to do that as well on this journey to really understand what God is telling us about the bread and the body, about the blood and the cup, and understanding what it means to us. So this first landmark that I want us to stand on is, is our journey to breakthrough, and that's what this is all about, goes through complete surrender. So I want us to go to the plateau of surrender, complete surrender. And we're standing on this plateau, it's big, it's wide, it's fans, and we're thinking, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I want us to stop and think, really, what was the hard teaching? What was the hard teaching that, that freaked out so many of Jesus' disciples? So hard that they were willing to leave him and no longer follow him. It says in John 6, 53, it says, unless, Jesus said, you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Okay, so you're thinking, I get it. <laughs> He's talking about camelism. And I, and, I, and I often thought maybe that's what was a hard teaching. But I think there's something more. I think there's something more that God wants us to understand with that. I think for the outsiders, that most certainly was probably true. People didn't understand that Jesus very often spoken metaphors and spoken uh, stories. But if you'd been around Jesus more than uh, like two days, <laughs> you would know that's what he's saying. So maybe he was saying something else. Do you see, here's a, maybe a, an insight into this. The word hard there does not mean hard to understand. It does not mean hard to comprehend. They, they weren't sitting there going, ah, what does that mean? I, I don't understand. No, no, no. It literally means hard to do hard to complete. There was something in what Jesus was saying that was requiring something of them that was too great, that was more than they, 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 they wanted to do. And you say, well, Greg, how do you know that? How do you know it wasn't more than just uh, uh, what was going on? How do you know that? And what about you? Are there hard things in our lives that you think, God, that's too much? Where are you going to leave? Are you, are you willing to walk away? What, what, is it, what is the line in your life that you're thinking, that's hard. I don't think I want to do that. I want to live that way. I'll, I'll do all these fun things, God. <laughs> you know, I, I like these things. But this, wow, that's too much. And John 6.68, we get a bit of an insight. It says, Peter answered. Because you... Cause you uh, Oh, everything going on because people were starting to leave. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, will you leave me too? Are you going to leave too? Are you, are you going to leave? And, G, and Peter answered, now watch this, 
Lord, to whom shall we go? And for years I read that wrong. For years and years I read that gone, wrong. It doesn't say we got nowhere to go. That's what I thought. Where are we going to go? <laughs> we got nowhere to go. That's not what he said. He said, to whom shall we go? In other words, he said, who else can we follow? Who else can we follow? You are the answer. You are the one we're going to follow. It was always about, are you willing to follow Jesus? The hard teaching was, unless you follow me completely, unless you tune in to me completely, unless you surrender and take me, my body and take my blood and make it your own and follow me completely, you can't have any life. That's what Jesus said. They said, oh, man, that's too hard. That's, that's, a, little, that's, that's a little extreme. Come on. You know, that's a little radical. We don't, we, don't, we don't want to do that. You see, we have to understand how to do this. Because as you, as you follow, though, the, the following completely, that complete surrender, that always leads to breakthrough. Who are you going to follow? It's not where you're going to go. How am I going to deal with this circumstance or that situation? It's who are you following? If we follow Christ, we have to follow him completely with everything that he teaches, with all that he does. And that's the only way we're going to find breakthrough. But as we move from the plateau of surrender, we come down to a river of trust. Because our journey to breakthrough always steps over the other side of trust. And that's what I think God wants us to understand. We have to step over the other side of trust. If we aren't willing to step over to the other side of trust. Now, you think, well, what does that mean, the other side of trust? You see, I, 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 if you picture a river in front of me, we come down to the river. And as we come down to the river, we say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm believing for you. I'm believing that, that you're going to answer my question. I'm believing for that breakthrough. I'm believing for that thing that's going to turn around. Somehow, I'm believing it's going to be there. And that's good. But unless we come to the point that we go through the river and we go on the other side that says, that this side says, God, I'm going to trust you. You're going to do it. This side says, God, I trusted you. God, I'm believing and I'm going to travel. You see, it's not just I'm going to believe and trust. It is I'm going to trust and travel. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to believe that you're going to do something. Unless we're willing to step over that river and go through that river. I was thinking of the lyrics that came to mind. There's an old, old song. I was, I was sharing it with Michael. Uh, the, uh, one of the first really Christian songs that had a big impact on me it was from an old group called the Imperials or a quartet. And they, and, uh, they had this song called Watergrave. And it says, I'm going to go down to the river. I'm going to be buried alive. I'm going to show my heavenly father that the man I used to be is no longer alive. In other words, it's a surrender of everything going to the other side until you get to the point that says, I'm going to go to the other side of trust. I'm not just going to do this. I'm going to go the other side of trust. And as I was searching for those lyrics it, that, 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 to remind me of them, I came across Ray Charles' song that says, I'm going to go down to the river and drown myself because this girl doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> and see, that's, the, that's a different perspective of how you treat and how you understand. Am I trusting God? Are you just going down the river to drown yourself? Or are you going down the river and say, God, I'm going to believe and go through this, this river of trust that on the other side, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do all these things to you. John 6, 66 says this. From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From the teaching of what we're talking about. Many disciples. Now, <laughs> you got to get this. 
Because as I was teaching on Wednesday nights, you, you got to get into the text. John wrote this text. John, the disciple, wrote this text. He didn't say. Uh, many of those that, that were following from a distance no longer followed him. That's not what he said. Many of those that just sort of believed and just wanted the bread and wanted the food and wanted the miracles, they know that's not what he said. He said, many disciples. Now, John would know the disciples, would he not? John would know who the disciples are, who the students were, who the ones that were really... They no longer followed. He doesn't say they no longer believed. And it made me really stop and think for a minute that sometimes you can believe, but you're just not willing to follow. And I think it's easy to do that on this river of trust. Say, God, I believe you're going to work out something, but I'm going to go my own way. God, I'm going to do what I want to do. Instead of really coming down. And when we are thinking about remembering what is this bread and what does this body mean to us, it means a level of trust that says, God, I'm going to go through the river and I'm going to trust you on the other side. I'm going to trust you for my families. Can we believe for that? Can we believe for that? Are we willing to believe that much? Are we, not to just, not just, just believe, but to follow, to continue to follow him. And I think in our world here, there are many people that believe, but aren't willing to follow. In fact, Hebrews talks about that, Hebrews 12. The author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians that are thinking, oh, man, that's too hard. Let's just go back to a little bit of Judaism. Be a, a little Jewish and still Christian. Uh, let's go back and, and then I'll be the under, uh, have a, the cover of, uh, of being a, a Jew but not have to worry about the persecution of the Christians because at the time they were going through a lot. They were just going to back up. I can still believe in Jehovah. I can still believe in God. I can still believe in Adonai. I can still do that. And they were back up. And this is what he writes. He says, oh, no, 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 no. In 12.4, you have not struggled against sin in your struggle against sin you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood see it's the bread it's the blood we have to go through that and go through that level have that level of trust i just want to pull back a little bit and stay on this side of you understand the metaphor the blood the cost but the breakthrough's over there. <laughs> We're going to the breakthrough. The tomb was shattered open. The rocks flew everywhere, I believe. It was rolled away. I think it was rolled away because it just fell apart, my belief. But Jesus rose from the dead so that we could see the breakthrough as we remember the communion, what it's really all about. Which side of trust the river of trust are you standing on? Oh, I believe. I just don't want to follow. Or I'm going to follow you through the river, Lord. I'm going to trust you, no matter what it costs, no matter what it is, because I know that my breakthrough is on the other side of all of this. And as we travel from the plateau of complete surrender and as we cross the river, which is just full of metaphors, the river of trust, we come to the mountain of betrayal. And many times we just want to skip this one. If I can just skip this, really, just want to skip this. You see, our journey to break, breakthrough requires acknowledging our betrayal. See, we often focus on 
how people betray us, how people let us down. But remembering the bread and the body is about acknowledging our betrayal. And until we do that, we never get the breakthrough. We say, God, I need the breakthrough. God, I need this answer. God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? We have to go and understand the bread, the body, the blood, and the betrayal. As we go to Luke 22, we find Jesus there with his disciples, and he's teaching on communion. He's teaching them communion. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this and remember it to me. This is, this is the cup, this is my blood, the new covenant for you. Remember me. So he's laying all of this out. And then, in the next breath, right after that, okay, what are we trying to do here this morning? We're trying to understand, God, what does it mean to take the communion? What does it mean to understand the bread and the, and the, and the body, the body and the blood? What does that mean? In his very next breath, in Luke 22, 21, this is what he says. The hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Jesus, the Son of God, betrayed. He most certainly was talking about Judas. We know that. But what we need to understand is when he said the hand of the one that would betray me is at the table, every hand was at the table. And you said, well, how did they betray him? Most of those disciples just betrayed him by hiding. They just went and hid as he went to the cross alone. They just, they just hide. <laughs> Peter... What? That wasn't enough. He actually denied the truth. <laughs> he denied that he even knew Jesus. He said, oh, wait, wait, what about John? John was at the cross. That's true. Him and the faithful women. <laughs> but John betrayed him by being silent. John said nothing. Even when Jesus spoke to him from the cross, John said nothing. And I think very often when Jesus said, someone's going to betray me, they all, everyone jumped. It is an eye, it is an eye, which is just hilarious. Now, this is the most funniest part. If there can be a funny part in this very serious side. You don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? Is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? And I, and I think it's because they saw people fall. They, it, it, could, it didn't even dawn on them that there was someone actually planning, plotting for Jesus' betrayal like Judas was. So no one understood. Hey, how's, how's this? How's this? How can, how can anyone do this? And I think sometimes we do the same thing. We betray him by hiding from the truth. I, I don't see the truth. I don't know that. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go by, do my thing, and I don't even know the truth. Or sometimes we're bold enough to say, oh, that's not true. I don't believe that. I don't care. What, what that says. That's a misinterpreted. Pastor Greg is just twisting those. I'm not going to. And sometimes we deny the truth. Other times, and I think the most diabolical betrayal, we just say nothing. We're just silent. As the world dies around us, as people hurt, as things go wrong, we just sit there because, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not pointing fingers except back at me because we've all betrayed. But in the most 
profound way that we can imagine. Jesus took the bread, dipped it into the wine, and gave it to Judas. And when he said, the hand of those that betray me was at this, you know, a little reading of that says, the hand of the one that's going to betray me is in my hand. We're hand to hand now. And I believe that moment was an incredible moment of, Judas, will you admit your betrayal? To this very moment, you don't have to do it. To this very moment, you don't have to do this. Will you admit that you have betrayed me and confess right here, right now? My hand is in your hand. Will you not? It says that Judas took it and left, and Satan entered his heart because he wouldn't admit that he had betrayed. And I think so often you say, God, I need this breakthrough in my life. I want this breakthrough here. I want this breakthrough. And it's because we hide our sin. We hide our faults. We hide our weaknesses. We're either ashamed or we're afraid or we're scared or we think God's going to ask us to do too much or require too much of us or something. And then whatever, we don't do it. But the only way, only way we get through the betrayal to the breakthrough is to say, God, it's your body. It's your blood that forgives me because I have betrayed you. And we remember that and then we rejoice on the other side saying God's salvation is for me. That's what it means to remember him. That's what it means to take the bread and to take the cup and to say, God, through your body, through your blood, and most certainly through your betrayal, I have the breakthrough. And we know that we have the breakthrough. It's there because the resurrection is there. It's not about just the cross. Easter's not just about the cross. It's about the fact the tomb was empty. And that we are forgiven of all of our sin because he rose from the dead. But I want to even go back full circle to David. Psalm 62. Even though it was hard, even though he's in the, he hadn't seen the promise yet, and he ends up. Uh, that chapter, that Psalms in 52 with verse 8, in verse 8 he says, I will flourish in the house of God. <laughs> you're in the de desert, you're running like that. But he said, hey, there's breakthrough. I'm going to flourish in the house of God. And in the last verse, you know what he says? I will trust God's mercy. It's my favorite Hebrew word, God's hesed, God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness to me. I will trust. Are you willing to trust? That's what it means to take the bread and to take the cup and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed. You were betrayed by everyone, including me, so that I can have the breakthrough. Communion is always about getting to the breakthrough and how God takes us there and how God takes you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just allow the word of God to just permeate every sense of our being. Restore our soul. Renew a right spirit within us. Forgive us of all the times we've been hiding or time, times we've been denying or just the times we've been silent. God, we surrender all these things to you. God, I pray if there's anyone watching, if there's anyone that does not know you in their heart, that they right now would just say, God, forgive me 
for my sin. Forgive me for the betrayal. Your hand is extending out. 